0: Hey everybody, welcome to week eight, rolling fat. Uh, let's get right into it here. So, trade alert well, multiple trades. Midweek, myself and Dave did make a deal. Uh, Dave sent me Taysom Hill, my little man missile pocket rocket, and the Cowboys D in exchange for the Colts D and AJ Dillon. I was getting annoyed because AJ Dillon was having good weeks. I just could never predict them. It was you know, more of a personal dislike because he is a valuable flex at times when needed. Um, and he's shown he can handle full workload if, you know, they ever do have any issues um, with Aaron Jones. I'm always interested in the potential of Taysom Hill having to play quarterback at any given time, causing a massive points potential. The fact that I think I made a concession for the less usable player and getting Hill back for Dylan, I felt it was appropriate to add the value in the defense swap, picking up the Cowboys as they are the number one overall fantasy D. Um in exchange for the Colts D, who's still serviceable for sure and have uh, better weeks going on here. The other trade this week was between brothers Jimbo and Kyle. Flex bench player Terry McLaren was sent to Jimmy in exchange for flex bench player Gus Edwards. Both players have high potential if their situation works out. Gus Edwards has five of seven weeks with about five points and then the other two for 12 and 20 against Cincy and Detroit. They do have Arizona coming up, so Kyle Bitch could be enjoying those dividends immediately. Terry has a slightly higher average points per week with four of his seven weeks being in double digits, but they both currently sit about the mid-20s in their respective position rankings. Terry McLaurin had his best game of the season in Week 4 against these Eagles, so there's potential of Jimmy also seeing instant ROI here as well. Win-win for the two teams with similar level players helping out their own roster construction. Now, this trade was brought to you by the 29ers Club, easily the best day to be born on. In October, you have the likes of Richard Dreyfus, famous buttlicker Gabrielle Union, infamous buttonerer John Biederman. In March, you have Earl Campbell, famous Disney star Lindsay Lohan, and famous Disney pooper Max Krushak. In June, Kawhi Leonard, famous sloppy drunk Gary Busey, not-so-famous sloppy drunk Kyle Taggart. And lastly, Nicole Scherzinger, because, you know, 29ers club. Not really a special thing, but full of really special people. Now back to your regular schedule podcast. All right, so last week, the um, only game we were highlighting was the Eagles-Dolphins game. This game ended up not being a competition as it was hyped up to be. The birds bludgeoned the fish. The only impressive piece on the Dolphins ended up being, who else? Tyreek Hill. In a game where the quarterback only gets you 12 points and one receiver on the same team gets you 20 points, you know there wasn't much fantasy love to go around. The running game was abandoned quickly as the Dolphins only ended up attempting to run the ball 12 times and for some reason it was almost exclusively into the heart of the Eagles strength at defensive tackle. Not really a great strategy in my opinion. To show even more evidence of this ass whooping, as I mentioned, the Dolphins ran it 12 times for 45 yards, the Eagles ran it 34 times for 99 yards. The tush push and short yardage situations obviously skewed those numbers on the yards per carry, but it just shows how playing with a lead can completely change the offensive script and change the value for different players. On the other side of the ball, the Eagles had themselves a day. Jalen ended up with 27, bumping his average up a few, but still staying between that 21 to 29 range he's been coasting through this season. Brown's saw exactly half of Jalen's 30 passing targets, and about half of every other passing-receiving statistic there was with 10 of the 23 catches, 137 of the 279 yards, and one of the two touchdowns. This might have been a game with the two best real-life and fantasy receivers playing. All right, so to recap the fantasy games of the week, Dave vs. Jay in the matchup of the Napoleon Bonaparte of the American car industry and the enigma of the Southern Hemisphere, Jay was able to take down Dave a peg by taking advantage of Raheem Mostert's previously mentioned low week, as well as Dave's agitation over losing yet another one of his housekeepers. He wanted to let you know though, Jay, your Tia Sophia will miss you. The game essentially came down to Mostert falling short, while Jay had Patrick Mahomes finally go off and hit a 40-burger that included four passing touchdowns. In the other game of the week, we had Nikki Cole versus Nicky Tits in the court case of Cole versus Tits. I don't know, it just sounds like a funny historic court case company sues women's tits for sagging after 20 years of being their spoke per- spokesperson and has yet to ever show her face on the camera. Just a can of beer and her sweet cans. Anywho, Nikki Co. came out on top of this matchup as he continues his unlikely run at making the playoffs for the first time ever. I'm sure his wife is so proud of him. Tits already had an uphill battle ahead of him expecting to lose by 15 before the week started. This problem was made even worse when the combo of Herbert and Allen put up a dud of a week. Wish I could have made the point and said, um, I told you so on Tua over Herbert, but was right here as Herbert did score about a half a point more than Tua, so didn't really matter anyway. Nicky Kel ended up not needing Ayuk to have a projected bump in production with Debo out. As I predicted, but Kirk did come through and tackled his demons with a 26 point week on Monday Night Football. Now, to recap all of the games John beat me 121 to 110, Rex beat Mike 125 to 82, Nikki Ko beat Nikki Tits 108 to 89, Jimmy beat Tom 109 to 87, Jay beat Dave 118 to 106, and E beat Kyle. 127 to 105. So for the awards, biggest upset, E wins this one. Kyle came in four and two, looking good. E two and four, looking to fall back to his normal place in line at the very back. With JTT rounding back into form for the Colts and AJ Brown continuing his dominant season, the rest of the squad for E really only needs to stay afloat, and that's exactly what they did, with the exception of Smith and Jigba, who did a small uptick this week in production. Now. Kyle, E both sit in the clusterfuck with the rest of the league at 4-3, and 3-4. Three, three and four. Six of the 12 teams are currently there. Biggest winner of the week, Jay, securing the second place with a win over the previously undefeated Dave, who was making claims that Jay was going to be deported following this outcome. So Jay, I hope you're enjoying this podcast, whether it be in the back of an ice truck or Tukasa. Best of luck, because I know Dave knows a guy. Biggest loser this week was Mike. Dude, what the fuck is happening to you? Years of being at the top have aged you, and I'm not sure I like you in this light anymore. You trade for Russ and Josh Palmer, and then proceed to sit Palmer. Obviously, his 16 points or so wouldn't have won you the week by himself, but at least show us you're fucking trying. Thursday night recap. In what was a little bit of a stinker, the Bills took down the Bucks in Buffalo. The score of 24-18 to 18 makes it look a lot closer than it really was. Buffalo is definitely not playing their A game with a few mental mistakes and hiccups along the way to give Tampa a chance in the end. Baker was running for his life half the night, but still found in his balls to put up a 25-point night, just to have his efforts squandered by Kyle sitting him this week. On the other side, John had Josh Allen that even with an interception still managed to score 33 and give Johnny Boy the expected edge over Nicky Coe. On his way to those 33 points, he went away from his typical tactic of targeting Diggs significantly more than everyone else and instead distributed the ball to Kincaid for 5 65 and a touchdown, Stephon Diggs 9 for 70, Gabe Davis 9 for 87 and a touchdown on Rex's bench, ouch, and a fellow named Khalil Shakir who went 6 for 92 on only six targets. When you are a legit unknown in the fantasy world, the only real translatable or readable statistics revolve around consistency. Upside and reliability. So, being that efficient and explosive could really prove to have staying power for the coaching staff and fantasy owners. And even if you knew that name, you had no idea it was going to have a game like this. And that's because he's still on the waiver wire, so I know you fucking didn't. Rashad White had a very good night, warming John's bench as well to the tune of 100 plus total yards and seven catches on seven targets. So, looking forward to this week. Biggest NFL game we we're going to go over this week is the Raiders versus Lions, forty-six and a half over under. Detroit favored by eight, uh, tied for the highest over under of the week. I wanted to highlight one team we don't talk about much, and one we never talk about at all for obvious reasons. So let's start with the fun stuff. The Lions sitting atop the NFC North, were averaging twenty-six plus points per week before running into the Baltimore buzzsaw of the defense. They fell behind early and went away from the balance while also applying a ton of pressure to golf. Raiders do not have the same horses to, you know, to keep up like that outside of Max XX Crosby. Uh, Gibbs will once again be the primary ball carrier as Montgomery is nursing that rib injury. And last week showed he increased in workload is sustainable situation. Raiders do have a terrible run defense and it could be another explosive week for Gibbs on the ground. While the Raiders don't have a great run defense, they are sitting smack dab in the middle against fantasy quarterbacks and just inside the top 3 or top 3rd of the league against fantasy wide receivers. With that combination, it would be smart not to stray too far from the reliables in this matchup of St. Brown and Laporta. Throughout this year, the Raiders have tried to funnel all the receptions to one receiver, so they can key on that one and keep them to short receptions. St. Brown can be that receiver, but the talent he has and the yak potential is why he is so great versus other guys they've been playing. Expecting to have a really big day, and I would expect one of the long catches to be on a screen or a slant you know, that he explodes out of. Kind of like, uh, think, Prime Odell. Goff is definitely startable this week, but I would try to find a streaming option with Upside, whoever else you might have. For the Raiders, they will have the leader return, Jimmy G. I don't think it really matters who they have as quarterback. This team has been rough to watch this year, telling their three wins against the legs of the Broncos week one, Green Bay, and New England. Not exactly a murderer's row of winners. On top of that, their offense has scored more than 18 points only once, and that was 21 against the Patriots. Now, where Jimmy G has been terrible and isn't really worth talking about unless we're referencing his sex life, Jox Jacobs has been a lunch pail dude this year. Grinding out meaningful weeks on the regular, and outside of his abysmal week 2 and 7, where he saw only 9 and 11 carries respectively, he has averaged 20 carries, four catches, and 110 total yards combined in the other five games. The touch, tough part here is that the Lions are top three against the run following only Philly and the Falcons in the category. This looks to be a high usage game for Jacobs, but doubtful to have the explosive games we've seen in the past. Fuck it, I'm gonna call my shot here. He gets a 10 spot this week, almost on the button. The Lions sit right about the middle of the pack against wide receivers in fantasy, but the issue there is that the Raiders aren't very good at passing, and Garoppolo is just coming back from his injury. More than two-fifths of their yards are by two guys, Devontae Adams at 75 yards a game, and Jacoby Myers at 64 yards per game, of the team's total of about 231 per, per game. Situations like this are frustrating because Adams clearly has higher potential than what he's currently putting out in the field, but... Also a little refreshing because it's clear who to play versus other muddied wide receiver running back rooms. In summary, Jacobs, you have to play because of the investment and the consistency. Same with Adams. And then Myers has developed into a must-start because he scored five touchdowns on six games this year and is averaging 17.6 per game to put him at total 15 for wideouts. The projected score is 27-19 in favor of the Lions. Vegas may have this one figured out. Detroit isn't a dominant day, so I could see Vegas beginning or being at their ceiling points for any in a game, while Detroit may be at the high end of their scoring potential as well and run the ball game to close out and shorten the game in the second half. All right, so our fantasy games this week we're highlighting. Jay sitting at 6-1 in second place overall, coming off a big win over Davy Boy, takes on Kyle sitting at 4-3 four in and and fourth, following a loss to Evan Steam. Kyle Bitch is looking for a big-time comeback to get back in the race for one of those bye spots in the playoffs. And going into this week, Jay's team had a slight edge on the predictive outcome as it sat at 111-109. But the difference increased a little bit as Mike Mike Evans fell about two points short this past Thursday. This matchup is one of the few where the projected points are scattered around in every game and every time slot. The only two games that have more than one player of impact is the Rams vs. Cowboys game where Jay has Jake Ferguson playing tight end for the boys and Puka Nakua for the Rams and Kyle has Stafford going for the Rams as well. The other one is Jacksonville versus Pittsburgh where Kyle's trotting out both Najee Harris and Evan Ingram. Kyle will have the last shot at this one as he has St. Brown rounding out the week on Monday night in the game we broke down earlier. Tom vs. Dave Tom's currently sitting at the very bottom, looking up Dave at the top. It's quite the role reversal from everyday life. The interesting thing here is, even with disparity in current standing, Tom is favored to win this one, as it was already set to be a close matchup. Dave's two Thursday night players, Diggs and Tyler Bass, missed a projected total by combined 7.2 points, opening the door for Tommy Boyd to steal one for a little bit more empowerment for the rest of us. The Philly game will once again be the forefront runner here as Dave loves his little Hurts-Swift combo that's been reliable all year long. The other game coming to play here is the Bengals 49ers game, as not only does Tom have his quarterback running back stack of his own in Burrow and Mixon, but Dave is also holding the rights to Kittle, who has yo-yoed all year with highs of 26, 12, and 10, but also lows of 0.6, 1.4, 3.4, all the while typically alternating. This trend would show that he is in line for a down week, but I will not be the one to doubt his potential. For Tom, he is hoping that all of Devontae's Adams complaining got the ear of someone making decisions and that he will be featured again as he used to be. If the Raiders have any chance of beating the Lions or making competitive, Adams will be need to be relied on heavily. Good luck, fellas. Enjoy the week.